It's happy Thursday, guys. Of course, I'm coming to my home office today. And I want to thank you all for enjoying my wonderful International Women's Month. But I got to tell you, this one here is special to my heart. One of my wonderful, wonderful good friends. We've been through some really big things together, <laughs> really big and hard things together. And she's taken out the time out of her busy schedule in law school, amongst other things, to chat with us and let us know what she's up to, what we need to support, and also how much we love each other. How does <laughs> <laughs> Castillo? Now, wait a minute. Are you related to Juan? Okay, here we go with the phone. Are you related to Juan at all? Oh, God, my. Ignore it. Busy. Busy, busy. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite questions. I get asked that at least well, no. once a year. And it's so funny because I, wait, hold on, I'm so sorry. I don't know why this is doing this, but I don't know how to stop it. So that's the bad thing. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to stop that. Okay. All right. I got it stopped. All right. <laughs> sorry about that. So, so it's funny. I met Juan a couple years ago, but for as long as I can remember, I think I've been asked that question Hi, any relation to Juan Castillo? My understanding, Juan Castillo is Panamanian, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. We share the same last name, but I have my father's last name, and my father is Colombian. Okay. So, uh, no, so no relation to Juan. Shout out <laughs> to Juan. Juan's good people, but no, we're, we are not related. Um, I don't think there's any other Castillos in Connecticut that I'm related to, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny. I'm a Jones. It's impossible for, to be related to all the Joneses in New Haven. So I understand that. That's why I wanted to put that question out there because people always ask me, are they related? I said, I, I'm sure they're not because it's like me being a Jones. So <laughs> I know you yeah, get it. I, all the time. What are I you understand that. Totally okay. understand that. So yeah, I just wanted to get that out there because I know some people are probably just going, oh, they always, they, you know, it's not like you know, the Smiths, okay? <laughs> no, not no, not at all. I, I was a resident assistant, a resident mm -hmm. advisor when I was in college. And I remember mm -hmm. on moving day, this young lady um, moved in uh, and her last name was Streeter. And I was like, New Haven, right? And she's like, yeah. I was like. Listen, on top of that. Name track. Uh, we got is it ee -E or ea streeter which one yeah. <laughs> so ea so yeah shout out to the streeters right mm -hmm. um so no um i i am not no relation to juan my my family last names in new haven at least mm -hmm. uh vary from arroyo i know um, roman estefalero mm -hmm. shoot uh peña you know yeah, we, we, we have a couple of last names, but and it's amazing because your aunt was my daughter's preschool teacher. Get out of here. Is that how small it is? At the Y. Oh, word. Yeah. Yeah. She's my sister. And your mom is so beautiful. I love your mother. Every time I see her, she doesn't remember me, but she's probably like, I never look the same yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. She she remembers faces and she's like, you know, your friend, you know, yeah. your friend, your friend. Yeah, I mean, so your friend. It's like, you know, my mom, they're like, we got too many friends. Oh, hi, how are you? Like they know. <laughs> Not asking. Happens names. all the time. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially because no. of the work that we do in New Haven, you know, it's amazing because a lot of people know us from the work and uh, getting into some of the work that we've done. But tell me about your childhood. 
Well, let me see. Where do I begin? So I wasn't born. I'm not born in New Haven, raised in New Haven, though. I I was born in New York, um, New York City. Uh, Then I moved to Puerto Rico for the first maybe four or five years of my life Mm -hmm. before coming here when I was like seven. Um, I've lived primarily in the Dwight Kensington area. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I lived in Dwight Kensington in the 80s, like 86. Yeah, mm-hmm. 80, man. So you you remember what Dwight Kensington looked like. I lived yes. right on Edgewood Avenue yes. before it was um before it was Amistad Academy when it was Dwight's. Dwight School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dwight. the White, they just tore down the White. What did they used to call those? I can't believe they tore those down. Uh, White Castle. The, the castle. castle. The castle. Oh, I was like, yo, they took down the White Castle? You know? Yeah, you know, oh man, that, that still feels like really an eyesore, cool. like it's gone. But no, so I grew up in that neighborhood um, back in the 80s when we were one of the only Latino families in that community. It was myself, the Ramirez family that was further down the street, and then there was um, the De Jesus family, which was on uh, Kensington Street. Um, yes. So I grew up in New Haven. I've loved New Haven. I've lived in Dwight Kensington. I also went to school and lived over on Adeline Street in the Hill. Um, When I started, you know, getting my own apartment and what have you, I lived in Fairhaven. I loved living in Fairhaven. That's a whole other story in itself. Fairhaven is a whole country, like a city, like it's a whole Connecticut. It's so self-contained. Oh my God, when I lived here, I didn't have to leave. I, I think I had a car accident once that I was without a car and it didn't matter. I got all my needs met. I know, yeah. New Town's been there forever, right? No, what, what, right Aid before it was right Aid. Groceries, clinic, uh, bank, the whole bit. Um, New Town was delivering before grocery delivery was, you know. They, and then they, um, they what's the laundry? Right? The laundromat that used to pick up your laundry. It's mm-hmm. like amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then um, I've also I, I went back to living in Dwight Kensington up until I bought my house. Um, I lived in the neighborhood I grew up in. I love I love the Dwight Kensington neighborhood. It's probably my favorite neighborhood of all. Um, it's a combination of Edgewood Park. I think it's just something about the park. And it's actually like the the community gatherings at the park during the summertime where everybody's just right, park their car right on the street. <laughs> I can walk there now. I love oh. it. I can I can walk there now, you know. So it's just it's amazing. So I you know put the the girl in the stroller, pretty soon she'll be walking because I could go right down Hubinger and be there, you know? Yeah, so it's beautiful. Absolutely. So childhood, Kissington, love yeah, it. So I went to, um, I, I grew up um, there, but for the most part, I went to like the magnet school system. I'm a product of the magnet school system in New Haven. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. to Bessie Ross, uh, Vincent E. Morrow, Career High School. Uh, graduate of New Haven Public Schools. I went mm-hmm. off to college initially in Philadelphia, but eventually transferred back. It was cheaper to go to school in New Haven, and I didn't realize how homesick I would become. You know, don't tell my mama. But yeah, I became homesick. You just told everybody. Matter of fact, I told everybody, but you know, I, I got homesick, and I, you know, I came home. I ended up at Central Connecticut State University. It was a much better fit. Um, you know, coming from New Haven schools and thinking about even being at career, when I was at career, career had like less than 400 students. It isn't the mm-hmm. career we know today. It's the career mm-hmm. that is now West Hills, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that building. Um, so I got used to small classes and being at a school like Temple that had such a large, like it was like 20,000 mm-hmm. students. I had lecture halls mm-hmm. of like 300 people. That yeah. wasn't the move for me. I needed somebody in a smaller space. 
So Central was where I finished. I, I did my undergraduate there. Mm-hmm. And ever since, I kind of like bounced around Connecticut. I think I've lived and I've worked and lived in Hartford, mm-hmm. uh, Waterbury. I've I've worked in Middletown. I used to work for DCF. I, I've worked mm-hmm. worked all over the place and even left on a couple of occasions. I've lived in New York when I went mm-hmm. to grad school in New York. Yep. I lived in California in Oakland. I remember California. All right. That's right. You, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We were in contact. You was taking care yes. of me. You know, handling this is how we met. Yeah. Matter of yeah. fact, we met. I was thinking about when did I meet you? And, and then I you said 2010. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. it was 2010 when I first started getting serious about um, pursuing a career long term in public service. And I remember being told how important it was to have your finances in order. And Latrice introduced us because um, mm-hmm. you were her accountant. So then mm-hmm. you became my accountant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we first got acquainted. And I still mm-hmm. remember when you had that office on Dixwell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You really go back. Yeah. Ooh. It's been a while, while. Yeah. I remember yeah. you were like, you know, stop throwing your money away at Western Union. That's what you told me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, you know, when people, it, they, they just throw here, just give away fees, 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 I fees. I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay. But see, we forget that Walmart's everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that Walmart transfer, that money, just Walmart to Walmart, you know? And now mm-hmm. they have they have their whole, whole new banking, their all banking system now. So you have to think about who made that banking system, the people that were going to Walmart and just doing the minimum fees. And, you know, I know they're conglomerate and they're doing whatever, but at the same rate, we have to use the stepping stones that'll save us money. And you listen, because you really, when I tell you, I sometimes I go, I can't imagine. I, as long as I've known you, you've been in school and yeah. you've always been educating at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that is the hardest part because the things that you do with the youth are amazing, you know, and it's just that you've been doing it so long. And when you made that decision, I was like, God finally told you what you needed to do because we needed you here and we still need you here. And some of the young ladies and just the kids in general. The little meetings we used to have at the library, remember those? You know? Yeah, we've grown. We've we've done a lot of growing since then. Yeah. It's funny, Marcy, because when I went to Cali, um, you know, I was all sad. I was I couldn't wait to go. I was a little nervous about going out there for school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved Oakland. I mean, I really fell in love with Oakland. But the truth mm-hmm. was, what I loved about Oakland is how much it reminded me of New Haven. Same type houses, you know, they had a Broadway, like they had the whole setup and was very much like we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it came time to look for work after graduation, um, I ended up back home because I I almost felt like a, you know, for lack of a better term, imagine you trying to go to somebody else's neighborhood to go, I mean, let me clean up your city when you Mm -hmm. ain't nothing to help your city. So I I kind of felt... A little bit of a like, yeah, I can't be yeah. trying to jump in parachute yeah. somebody else's community when I have it. What have I done for my community, more or less? Like, mm-hmm. what, what did I do in New Haven? Mm-hmm. But when I came back, it, it was kind of hard to find work in New Haven. New Haven isn't an easy place to find work. You know, with, you yeah. know the kind of work we do, it's it's almost yes. like you end up working for other folks. So initially, I st- I was doing work in New York City um, for the yeah. Children's Aid Society, running their mm-hmm. Juvenile justice were um their whole. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the whole commuting back and forth. Yeah, because you were trying to get me to take your apartment in the Bronx. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was like a, a hard year and a half of commute back and forth where the commute yeah. itself became like a part-time job. Yeah. Until the opportunity presented itself here in New Haven and, you know, citywide became an option. And I couldn't have, couldn't have happened at a better time because mm -hmm. I was so tired of doing um, direct service. Like, it's funny, you know, as someone who has spent most of my life uh, doing program work, um, yes. my program work trying to fix it feels like I've been trying to fix people um, all my life the the work that citywide challenged me to do was to kind of look you know take a step back and if it's not the services that we're providing what exactly is the issue and the issue always comes back to it's bigger than just service provision it's what is the environment that we're servicing young people for it's like we're constantly teaching young people to fish and then we're going to send them over to the pond over at southern at the <laughs> there the <laughs> yeah, there's no fish there at all. So, like, we got to be about the business of organizing to get people to get to the ocean, more or less. So, mm -hmm. now nah, it, it was, I've, I love that I do work now in New Haven, not only because it's close, I, you know, I don't have to commute, but it's, I'm vested. You know what I mean? Like, New Haven is home. It's always Your heart. home. Yeah. I don't, I, I feel, I feel an obligation. Like I think mm -hmm. about the things that I had access to when I was in high school and the yeah. people who I came across and I feel like people made an investment in me. So it's like, it, it almost feels like a, a natural. You're giving back. Yeah. You know, it's the, the circle. It's the circle. Yeah. It's, you know, you don't ever want that circle not to be infinite. Absolutely. Yeah. So the thing, the best part of it is that what I feel, cause you know, I've been doing community work forever. Mm -hmm. The biggest part of it is to make sure that any nuggets that I can give, I give back to people that are here. Yeah, I've gone to Georgia, I've gone to Pennsylvania, I go to New York, and I've even gone to Canada. But at the same rate, any nuggets that I share there are here too. And that's why I always call myself a serial entrepreneur, you know. If, if I don't know how to do it, I'm finding somebody that knows how to do it, and then I'm learning from them, so then I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And you have done the same thing. So all that value that we bring to New Haven and the reward is success of others. And people don't understand that we don't need gratitude and awards and acclimates. We'll take them, yes, because, you know, everyone's mother for us. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what we have to do is remember that the things that we do are bettering others. I always say you lead them to water, you can't make them drink, but don't bring them to an empty pond. And you don't do that. So tell me more about Citywide Youth. And then, oh, I'm not even going to try. Pronounce the other organization that you. I, I'm horrible. There you go. Yeah. And so, beautiful. So my work is Citywide. You know, Citywide's been around since 1976. When I came into the picture, Citywide was essentially uh, a coalition of service providers in the city who were essentially doing everything on behalf of young people, which is a beautiful thing, you know, that that coalition has been very powerful over the decades. It has leveraged its, um, its power essentially to get policies passed. It, you know, made, it got funding. For instance, it was a point where Citywide was a co-creator of the Youth Development Training and Resource Center over at the, what is it, at the Yale Consultation Center, yeah. right? 
Um, mm -hmm. That was something that was created through Citywide and essentially mm -hmm. was a training hub for professionals who were working in youth development. And the mm -hmm. way that Citywide had influenced there, the coalition, was in making sure that anyone who was getting city monies on behalf of young people had to have their people trained in understanding youth development. So, like, Citywide had that kind of a power. So mm -hmm. when I came into the picture in 2016, was it? 2015. I think it was 2015. 2015, I came into the picture. I came in as a board um, member. They invited me into the board. I was working in New York at the time, commuting back and forth. And um, I wanted to, I became involved in Citywide primarily because after my time in Oakland, um, I started, I got bit by the organizing bug. I had spent all my time, you know, running programs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, helping folks come home from incarceration, treatment, mm -hmm. and what have you, housing. But none of the work that I had done had really amounted to the kind of change that was long-term. Because even, think about this, right? So mm -hmm. I did work at Project Moore, and our whole job there was making sure people not only didn't go back to jail, but they had housing and they had jobs. But the thing was that the job, the way that we went about getting people jobs were in long-term jobs. Most mm -hmm. of the time they were, they were like temporary jobs. And even when they got those jobs, they still faced other barriers to yes. get housing, to, to get access to certain services. So mm -hmm. no matter what we taught them, they still had to deal with a bunch of system barriers that were yes. beyond control of what the program offered. So yes. going to Oakland and doing the work over in Oakland with the California Endowment, I got a chance to see how people in that community in Oakland showed up whenever mm -hmm. the city was trying to pass ordinances and spend money on behalf of the city without the city being involved, meaning the people. They and have a big community. What they listen, when they tried to put stop and frisk out there, I went for the city hall meeting. You couldn't mm -hmm. sit down. They had they I think that meeting went on until 1 a.m. with so many people mm -hmm. who came to testify against it. Mm -hmm. But either way, being in that space, it kind of got me thinking about what it would look like if we organize our resources to really support young mm -hmm. people. So when I came back in um wanted to get involved with the coalition. I did it primarily because one of their goals was to become involved in policy advocacy. So I was yes. like, I'm, I'm gonna go sit at this table. But when mm -hmm. I sat at that table and it was right around the time when Black Lives Matter as a movement really started progressing. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted Shout to- Black Lives Matter, my girls, my babies. <laughs> so as that movement was moving around in the country, um, I thought Citywide had an obligation to like be ready to support young people. But when we tried to do that essentially with other nonprofit providers, they weren't interested in the organizing work. In fact, they, they to them, organizing is, yo, can you go up to the Capitol and speak on behalf of such and such a bill so they don't cut our budget? Not necessarily change policy so that our young people can thrive. So, you know. We'll see at the table. No, and the thing is, and I get it, Marcy, because ain't nobody trying to go up to the Capitol to talk trash to the people that give them their funding in the first place. You talk mm -hmm. trash to Massa, Massa's likely to take away your funds, right? Yeah, I'm not trying to be funny, but that's essentially what it is. And I, I had to understand that. So yeah. when I couldn't get the nonprofits to come to the table to want to organize, um, I started working with young people. My thought was, you know, we're going to be the citywide youth coalition. Maybe young mm -hmm. people need to be at this table. So yes, as we definitely. made room for young people at the table and we started holding those spaces at the library for dialogue, right? And we started just holding space for political conversation, mm -hmm. for for healing spaces. 
Young yes. people started showing up, adult allies like yourself, like yeah. folks like Gary Winfield and Robin mm -hmm. Porter, Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter, New Haven, you know, folks started mm -hmm. showing up to yeah. support the critical capacity of young people to like think outside the box. Yes. And that evolved into young people starting to organize. So then Citywide pivoted his work to supporting young people at the forefront of the change that needs to happen so that they can be successful. We initially, our mission was about ensuring that we have a courageous community where young people succeed, but that mm -hmm. success has always been defined by how adults see people should succeed. And for them, yeah. it's being college ready. And what we found working with young people is that um, their definition of success is much bigger than just mm -hmm. going to college. You know, yes. they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be mm -hmm. on the ground, be in public servants. Mm -hmm. They want to be mm -hmm. artists. Um, yes. And as such, we had to evolve with them. We did mm -hmm. not only make room for them at the table, but we made room for them in the organization. And we were able mm -hmm. to secure more funding so that now we have a director who's responsible for organizing young people. We have a director who's responsible for holding space for political education on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Our young people are always on the ground. Whenever there's an issue that young people are bringing up in the city, they use their position, their power, their, to amplify the voice of young people that are mostly marginalized. And as such, they even introduced a bill with the Black, the Connecticut Black and Brown Student Union this, uh, this term, which has now yes. advanced out of committee around redefining what school safety is, redefining yes. the role of the um, the school resource officers. Yes. But, you know, all of that work that we're doing at Citywide has been because we wanted to be more inclusive of the young of people we claim to serve. So it's been a beautiful mess, if you will. And I say mess because oh, yeah. it's not like this came with instructions. We wanted to share power with young people. That meant that we had to get out the way. I'm still the executive director of Citywide, meaning I write grants, I take mm -hmm. meetings, I handle the policy and the procedures of the organization. But the primary work around the organizing and the education of, of young people in the community is done by the rest of the staff. That's yeah. not my work anymore. My work is to really support them to yes. be the leaders of the org. Yes, they can. Um, and listen and learn. You know, oh, absolutely. I, I'm sure you're learning while you're listening. You know, so, I mean, you the kids are different. So you're finding out how different they really are. It's a little, it's so much harder for them to, you know, deal with the nerd and society thing that people, that kids do because everything is so socialized and the media makes it look like, and the music makes it look like, you know, you gotta be balling and all this other stuff, but how can you ball if you're being re restrained? So it's really good that <laughs> and I'm, I'm balling, but I'm balling the same, soup <laughs> literally so you know i really appreciate the work that you guys do and it just makes jobs like mine easier because i can go okay let me call this baby and have them help me with this you know mm -hmm. it's like ycl for me and you know being a delegate with cpusa those are hard things to do but we can't organize without the kids no because not at all i'm not trying to have you know azari and love and you know, Manny and all my other beautiful kids that are in YCL, because Azari's a red diaper baby. Forget it. Azari's organizing right now already, you know? So it's just a matter of letting them know how to do the steps to move forward and get the results that they need to get. So I do that work. You do that work. We all do it in different aspects, but you do it on a higher level by just letting them do it 
and being the support. You just, I had to take my hands away from YCL, just let them go. Because next thing I know, they're having a march. I'm coming. I just got to go. Let me go rent the truck so we can dress it up. You know, that type of thing. That's it. Yeah. You know, but it was a great feeling to see them be able to do that. And I know that's, that's your reward as well. Man, but that, that reward comes with, um, with some tension. Because, you know, eventually the student outshines the, the teacher. Um, yeah. And my, my team has taken me to task. Um, yeah. they, they've organized with me and sometimes even against me. Um, yeah. When I say against me, I'm talking about really holding me accountable. At one yes. point, um, we had to start looking at the way that we fund the people that, you know, the people that we hire. How much are we paying mm -hmm. them? What are we offering? Mm -hmm. And in doing so, shoot they actually brought up the cost how much we were paying staff as a result of that so like i thank yeah. them for them challenging not only me but the board of directors as well yeah in the board um i'm currently looking for board members i'm looking for young people mm -hmm. under 25 who might want to join the board at citywide because yeah. part of our work is not just about having the power you know in position but the people who are in charge of the organization overall and the governance also need to be a reflection of the young people we are putting as a priority. So let people know where to reach you as far as citywide is sure. concerned. Sure, if you're interested, please feel free to email me at addis, A-D-D-Y-S, at cwyc.org. Um, we are currently looking to expand the board of directors. We are looking for folks who are committed to the work that we're doing. Um, and we're always looking for folks to that want to collaborate in this work with young people. Um, again, um, we meet there on Tuesdays. Our our space is on downtown 928 Chapel Street, Suite 201, every Tuesday from 3.30 to 5.30. You can find a team working together specifically on radical wisdom and education where they essentially hold space for political discourse around hot topics in, in media, but also mm -hmm. on prevailing issues that are happening in schools at the, at the precise moment that they're happening. Um, yeah. We're doing a lot of discussions right now around defining what public safety can look like and yes. how we might be able to advance um, public safety, not just as a measure of having police presence, but having other resources available to people in community, like mental mm -hmm. health services. Yeah. Um, you know, like they, there's not there's not enough of that. More arts and culture, um, more housing, affordable housing, because, man, mm -hmm. it's pretty expensive to live in New Haven. And if I was a young person graduating high school or working or trying to move out of my parents' house, this is not the city to come move to. Because there ain't no, there, man, the housing here is ridiculous, the cost. Yeah, it's very costly, very, very costly. All of Greater New Haven, you know, West Haven, New Haven, even like North Haven, forget it. It's just, it's just, it's very costly. So when you're building entrepreneurs, you're building entrepreneurs who want to be able to make sure that they are sustained while they're building. And mm -hmm. that's a part of the teaching for me, you know, teaching them the business portion of it. Because I, I know for a fact that like my daughter, has this dream she's wonderful at doing hair but what she wants to do is a little different she wants to be able to build one place where everybody can get everything done instead of it being she can do some hair seriously so okay there you are like she froze up she froze, on me. <laughs> she froze with that face like mm -hmm, yeah yeah she's very <laughs> but it's a very good idea you know, but she's one of those that's going to bring people with her. And, you know, we're teaching these kids how to bring people with them, you know, and it's a wonderful thing. 
So let's talk about dancing. Oh boy. <laughs> you know, I was listening to your um, podcast earlier with Hanam. Shout out yeah. to my sis, Hanam, Hameen, my sis. Um, man, I, I was loving it. I, ne I never heard her tell that full story on how she started dancing to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, okay, sis. Mm -hmm. It's my girl. So what do you want to know? What do you want to know about my dancing? Well, like all of a sudden I see Addis in this beautiful cultural outfit doing this dance of security and this I was like, what the heck? Wait a minute. And it's such a beautiful dance. Cause you know, I do the Afrobeat and Afghan mm -hmm. and I'm like looking going, it's such a beautiful dance. And you explained some of it to me, but I never understood like really the, I know the background pretty much from going to your story, you know, going to the, the you know, the theater. But mm -hmm. now I get a chance to find out the real roots, what certain things mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And listen, one day I'm going to get there. I'm going to have to make some time. One day I'm going to get there. But <laughs> let me, let me know. Listen, I've been trying to get to the drum lessons at the center. I just can't. I just. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Um, so with respect to uh, the dance you're talking about, you're talking about my uh, bomba, bomba. Yeah. Um, so I can't really tell you about bomba without telling you what brought me to bomba. Um, so I, you know, have been dancing, you know, I, I've never taken a, I, I, I didn't pay to take any classes. I'd be lying. I, I learned the old fashioned poor way watching other people dance. Um, mm -hmm. I got lucky to go to a school like Betsy Ross, where I got to take free African, West African dance classes with the likes of Sherry Caldwell. Shout out to Miss Sherry. Wow. Um, okay. Folks like um, Stanley Reynolds, um, learning modern dance there. You know, shout out to Mr. Reynolds. Um, so all of my dance uh, experience and background came by virtue of being around other artists. So I pick mm -hmm. up quickly and I've, I've always loved West African dancing, but most of it has been because it's the most uh, affirming space that I, I'm usually in. That and hip hop, you know, that, that was my thing even in college. So fast forward, I stopped dancing and I start working at Citywide and I come across Hanan, um, who's putting the hip hop um, festival in New Haven. I got connected to Hanan through Sarah Hodges. Shout out to Sarah in the yeah, last year. Um, and we, me and Hanan clicked. So I'm starting to, you know, get invited to things Hanan's doing. And, you know, Hanan's teaching and doing her badass stuff. And then she invited mm -hmm. me to dance in one of her performances. And she mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I want you to do some, some things that are like innate to like, you know, your culture. And, you know, at the time, salsa is what I knew. Merengue, I knew a little bit. I knew a little bit about plena, but I didn't know mm -hmm. bomba. I didn't know it. I, I, I've heard of it, but I've never performed it. I've seen mm -hmm. it kind of, sort of, but yeah. I didn't know it. And so fast forward a year later, Hanan has this opportunity to go to West Guinea on a trip mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. to go drumming and dancing. And I got excited and I wanted to go. So I went with Hanan. So me, her, and her cousin, and one of her dance daughters, we went to West Guinea. Matter of fact, it was 2019. 
2019. Wow. And let me tell you, Marcy, it was such a wonderful experience. I got to like dance all, like every single day with like three different instructors. Mm -hmm. um, we got to like be in space with other folks and it just felt so beautiful out in West mm -hmm. So right after I get back from West Guinea, I went on a family vacation to Puerto Rico with my kids and yes. we were staying in Loisa, which is in the Northeast part of the island. Um, mm -hmm. It's the blackest part of the island. They call it mm -hmm. La Capital de la Tradicion, which is the capital of the tradition. Yes. So I'm staying there and as I, we're driving through, I'm just looking and seeing how much that area of Puerto Rico reminds me of West Guinea. And then yes. I look at the flag, and do you know, like, they have the exact same colors, yes. the mm -hmm. different sign, but the same exact colors. And it kind of got me thinking about the fact that, you know, I spent so much time learning West African dancing. Mm -hmm. What what about my own cultural traditions in Puerto Rico, you know, yes. I need to learn. So I started to seek uh, spaces to learn bomba. And in 2019, I had an opportunity to be um, in a play at Yale called La Negra, a musical. I had uh. audition, they put me in chorus, and uh, then we had our first rehearsal, and um, the director changed her mind and wanted me to be the lead. So yeah. what, what started off as me wanting to learn for a performance evolved into me wanting to learn it for myself. So what is Bomba? Bomba is uh, a mixture of our African and indigenous traditions in Puerto Rico, you know, spiced a little with Spanish because Spanish, the Spanish colonized us. So yes. when folks got to Puerto Rico, you know, when it was Borinquen, we didn't all speak the same language. Imagine being enslaved and put to work with mm -hmm. some folks. So people learned to communicate with music. So bomba is essentially what occurred between us. We created music together. So the yes. bomba drum is a barril. Um, mm -hmm. It's or called the barrel. It's made out of an actual barrel. They usually, you know, and it's not like the djembe. The djembe, you get a, you know, yeah. some wood, you hollow mm -hmm. it out. The bomba barrel, they would just take whatever barrel they would have their hands on. Mm -hmm. So then they would use goat skin, just like the djembe. Um, yes. And that would be the marker for the drum. So in bomba, you have two different types of drum. You have one person who's the lead drummer, el primo. Mm -hmm. And then you have everyone else who is supporting the, the rest of the drum line, los bulliadores. Yes. Followed with a maraca, which right now I don't have in my hand, but hold on a minute. Okay. Here. Mm -hmm. This. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is essentially um, what our indigenous ancestors use, but also in Africa has their own version of this. The singer yes. would, you know, use the maraca to maintain time and yes. it becomes a call and response. So yes. this practice of bomba came by way of me wanting to be in part of performance. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got into it wanting to learn to dance it. And the yes. thing with bomba is it's not choreographed. You kind of move according to what you feel. And yes. every beat has its own particular meaning. Yes. Um, so I got into there, I got into the bomba space to learn to dance. And over the course mm -hmm. of, you know, the pandemic, I started taking lessons and classes virtually with mm -hmm. other bomba artists across the world. Mm -hmm. And I started drumming. And mm -hmm. because I was told that, you know, to be a better dancer, you need to understand how the drummer mm -hmm. moves. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to drum. 
And then from drumming, it kind of translated into wanting to be a part of the call and response. And from the call and response, it turned into wanting to be a part of the singing. Mm-hmm. And it turned yeah. into writing. So like my evolution in that space has been big. And it has yeah. been so freaking liberating. It's like mm-hmm. um it's like coming home. So yeah. um it's like that peace in your face. Yeah, man. It's it feels good. I mean, and I'm looking means- at the picture behind you, like the sisters behind you, the the yes. it, it kind of reminds me of that space right now. The whole yeah. just being in flow. Yes, yes, yes. Kind yes, of yes, dancing yes. your your peace. Yeah. I have um shout out to Joanne. She makes pieces for me, but one's made out of earrings, one's made out of shells, and these are my praise women. And it it depends on what you want to praise. You want to praise yourself, you want to praise God, you want to praise drums, you want to praise but notice the flow of the skirts. That's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why because the flow of and they're doing what they need to do. So I'm gonna take a minute um to let everyone know that they're listening to Marcy Lynn once again on 103.5 WNHHLP, New Haven Independent Community Radio. And you already know, I got the beautiful Miss Addis Castillo here, no relation to one. And she is <laughs> giving us a little bit of something, something. This is my sister right here. This is my baby girl sister. I, I always call them my baby sisters, even though, you know, I'm only a little bit older than them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, older than them, yeah, for real, for real, because we've mm-hmm. been through some stuff. So, um, this is going to be two parts, and I'm going to get a little bit more into the artistry. So, we're going to take about four or five minutes more in the artistry, including your beautiful artwork on your body, because you know I'm into that. And <laughs> then, then we're going to go into our next segment, which will be even deeper into Miss Why You in Law School now. Mm. <laughs> so you're gonna give us educate educate us on some of that as well. So if you can just give us a little bit about besides the artist. First of all, that musical. Oh, that's right. You came to see it. Thank you for coming. I totally forgot folks came to see oh, it. Oh my you know that was goodness. my first time acting. I've never acted in anything. It was you. It was so you. And just you, you took that lead and you made it understandable. And it was just just a beautiful story in general, you know? And then the music was just powerful. It's just amazing. So tell me a little bit about more of that production. How how was it? How'd you go from not acting and you know <laughs> to being the lead because of your passion? I'm sure it's because of your passion, but so it's it's a funny I wish I could really explain it, but all I can tell you is I I was after I got bit by the bug of wanting to learn more about my own culture, I was looking for whoever was doing that practice locally and I found a local group that was doing that um you know, I have creating space to learn bomba. So when I got into that space, um I there was a, a call, an audition for uh, a a play that was being curated by this young lady named Sophia, I believe last name was Sanchez, mm-hmm. um, over at Yale. So she was this uh, half Puerto Rican, Af- Afro-Puerto Rican woman whose family lineage is to one of the Bomba artists of um, of the island. 
So mm -hmm. she spent like the summer curating, like getting all these stories to create this musical. So I, you know, the, the, I was at that time, I was learning Bomba with Movimiento Cultural in New Haven. And mm -hmm. in that space, um, we were going to be doing the music for them. So, you know, we were, because we were doing the music, I went ahead and submitted an audition, um, mm -hmm. a, a video of me just reciting some lines. And I, I must've been mm -hmm. cheesy because I didn't get cast, but to do the background stuff. Yeah. But then we had a table read and during the table read, we did a little bit of um, singing some of the stuff that we were going to be singing for mm -hmm. that performance. And afterwards, the director set a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and asked me to step up to be lead because of my voice. So mm -hmm. for translation purposes, Bombay is not R&B. So mm -hmm. what I'm used to hearing as far as music in R&B, um, yeah. how I translate music should sound versus what mm -hmm. it sounds like in Bomba was yes. like, it, it didn't exactly, I didn't know the difference, mm -hmm. but um, apparently my voice translates uh, in that space. Mm -hmm. So I, I was a little hesitant, but I stepped into it um, and it worked out. I, to be honest, I held back a lot during rehearsal because I didn't know what I was doing, but I got to tell you, Marcy, I think um, before we opened up the play, right? Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, that play was done at um, what used to be Calhoun College. Remember yes, that? Yes. Mm -hmm. We were protesting <laughs> out there those Fridays, trying to change yeah. the name. So yeah. before we did the play, you know, they got to change the name, you know. Mm. Calhoun College, to give it some context, was the name of this one of the Yale colleges, um, the residential yeah. colleges in Calhoun, James Calhoun, yeah. um, Calhoun was a notorious proposer, uh, supporter of of slavery. Um, and they protested, protested it specifically after Corey Menefee broke the window and got arrested and got fired. So, yeah, right? So being there, you know, having this music about Black women, Black Caribbean, mm -hmm. Black Puerto Rican women in that mm -hmm. space meant that we had to sage that mug. We had to let it be known, the ancestors mm -hmm. in the space. So they staged, they did like a little ceremony beforehand. Of and course. I don't know what happened, but like when I stepped on stage, I like I felt I felt the presence of my ancestors is the only way I can actually describe it's wonderful. it. Isn't that a wonderful it's like I, I transcended, I don't remember much of the performance, but I remember I cried during the performance. I I I became my character, Juisa, in that mm -hmm. space. So no relation, maybe there is, I'm not sure. Juisa no. was a real person. Um, mm -hmm. She was one of the tribes women, tribe leaders, mm -hmm. um, who essentially protected her, her town by marrying the Spanish only to try to kill them in their sleep um, and, and set up revolutions. And eventually she died doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the character I had to play. Um, it was something I've never done before, but I think... Mm -hmm. It has come a little more naturally because of dance. Dancing is about, um, you know, emoting movement, movement and conveying mm -hmm. emotion through movement. Yeah. So it kind of happened almost naturally to, to do it. Yeah. Ever since then, I've been in a couple of other plays and I'm actually shooting a movie at the end of the month. Yeah, you know I got time, <laughs> but I'm I'm still doing a little. We act. make it happen. We make it happen. We gotta make it.
<laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Do you think I like I would expect to be here on radio? You know, no, but sis, <laughs> you're a natural. I like yeah. even listening to your voice. I was like, yeah. yes, this this is a good I, gig for you. You know what? I'll listen back. I'll listen back to my things and go. Ugh. You know, I really don't like the way it sounds, but you know, it ends up working itself out. And I, my goal in life, what have I always wanted to do? Connect like-minded people so there wouldn't be so much inequity in everybody thinking that it's a competition. There's no mm -hmm. competition in the same, if you're doing the same thing, get together and do it in unity because it's going to yeah. be big. So this allows me to do that. Like people might not know about Statewide Youth Coalition and now they can oh, go no, no. <laughs> and they want to, let me get Addis. I didn't know Addis did Bomba. I want to know what more about Bomba. I want to more more about, you know, just in general, life on life's terms with living with living with living with the society and kids daily, seeing the changes, you know. And we're going mm -hmm. through centuries seeing the changes. And you know, I, I both your child and my nephew are off to yeah. college. Remember when they used to hang out together? Oh <laughs> my, I was like, these little boys are not little boys anymore. They are grown men. And they, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of Robbie. I'm so proud of CJ. And I just, just they're just beautiful young men. So a lot of good things come out of Amistad, you know, mm. even now with what's going on in there. There's a lot of good things that come out of Amistad and a lot of good things that come out of New Haven Public Schools. Absolutely. And you are one of them. So I'm going to end this show here. And then we're going to pick up for part two. So you guys get ready. But again, you are listening to Marcy Lynn once again on WNHH. And I look forward to our next segment. No, we're not changing clothes because we're just going to go right into it. Peace. <laughs>